Let's turn the Word of God this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24 in the Word of God. Amen. 1 Samuel 24. And uh, actually, I was uh, going through this chapter yesterday, and I said, man, I know that I did something from this uh, chapter before, and I looked up, yeah, back in a couple years ago. So different message, but same chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 24, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 15, 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 15, and uh, recently we did Psalm 7, and this is a chapter that goes along with Psalm 7, so 1 Samuel 24, beginning of verse 1 says this, and it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, behold... David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. I read that. I said, man, that sounds like the name of a dude ranch, rocks of the wild goats. And he says, and he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him, because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth mine hand against him, saying, He is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. And David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea? The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee, and see and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. Let us pray again. Father, we just uh, thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for your love. Lord, we do uh, think of uh, uh, the Meredith uh, family. Lord, we pray your hand of grace upon them with the passing of Sister Meredith that you'd comfort them and, Lord, uh, just uh, give them wisdom as they prepare to 
honor their mother's memory and encourage them today. Lord, we think of uh, Brother Thomas today. Lord, we think of uh, Sister Barnett and uh, Brother Burgess and others, Lord, that are upon our heart uh, with physical need. Lord, please uh, touch them and encourage them. We think of those that are traveling today. Watch over them. And uh, Lord, we pray for those with spiritual need today. Lord, we pray for those that are here. We thank you for everyone that's here today. Lord, thank you for our, our visitors that came this way today. And uh, Lord, we thank of people that are listening in right now. Uh, dear God, we all have a need in our life. And if the need is salvation, Lord, it should be a great thing today if uh, Holy Ghost conviction came upon that heart and opened that heart and that one was drawn unto thee today and they would put their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Lord, for your children, Lord, uh, you know what's uh, going on in their lives and Lord, uh, the burdens and the concerns and Lord, uh, the spiritual, the physical, financial, Lord, many needs in the lives of thy people today. But Lord, we realize without you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we commit these things to you and we trust you with them. And, Lord, help us and teach us, Lord, as we look at the Word of God in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Notice uh, verse 14, what David said, uh, one of the things that David said to Saul, After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? Notice what he says there, after a flea. And what is he saying to Saul here? He's saying, is what you're pursuing really worth all this effort? Here you're out here with 3,000 men and you chase me from uh, one end of the country and places to another. And so he's really saying to Saul, he says, man, you're putting a lot of effort to this. You're really making a big effort to pursue me. But is what you're pursuing, is it really worth all that effort? And even if you do achieve what you're desiring, what is the benefit at the end of the day? You've caught a flea. <laughs> I mean, is that really uh, worth all this effort that you're putting into it? You've caught a, a dead dog or a flea? He says, I mean, come on, Saul, you're the king. I mean, you're the, you're the king of Israel. You could be accomplishing something uh, really worthwhile at this time. Why is what you chose, why is this what you chose to spend your time on? Why is it that you've chose to pursue this, right? That at the end of the day really won't seem to accomplish much. And boy, that's a good thought if you look at that principle. I wonder what the Lord thinks about when, we, when he sees what we're spending our life pursuing. You know, uh, uh, Saul, he was the king of Israel, but hey, you're a child of the king. Amen. <laughs> and so that's a big deal. Hey, I think I'd rather be a child of the king than a king over some country. So think about that. You've been born again. And so I wonder what the Lord thinks about when, we, when he looks at what we're spending our life pursuing. Does he think, hey, you're one of my children. You're a child of the king. Is what you are spending your life pursuing really worth it? At the end of it all, are you just going to end up with a flea? That's something to think about, especially as you're starting out life and you think, oh, well, what do I want to do with my life as I choose a career or try to decide uh, what I want to study and all these things or what type of job or, you know, these are, these are important things. And of course, God, uh, uh, he wants people to have an education. He wants people to have a good job and take care of those things. But it's not really about that as much as what is the focal point of your life? Is it to uh, reach uh, some uh, certain position or to have a, a certain amount of material things or whatever it might be? And so as we look at uh, what David said to Saul, says, man, you're a king. And is this really 
worth all this effort and worth pursuing that you would chase after this dead dog and this flea. And so it's a good thing to ask ourselves, hey, as children of the king, are we pursuing the right things? Are we focused on the right things? Is what we're spending our time and uh, what you're giving your energy to, what you're giving your might to, what you're giving your opportunities to, what you're giving your time to, is that really worth pursuing in your life? And at the end of it all, amen, will you achieve something or will you have something that's going to make a difference for you and maybe others that you met along the way and to the glory of God? So uh, 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 here's, a, here's a phrase for uh, Sister Judy, right? I always like to give her a nice phrase. Do you need to flee pursuing a flea? Think about it that way, right? Sorry, you know, I had to do a play on those words there. But hey, you look at your life and what you're giving your efforts to. Do you see that it's worthy, really worth going after? And that's what David uh, challenged. He says, hey, do you have the right perspective on what you're doing? And that's something we need to constantly ask ourselves as we're making these efforts in, in life to get ahead. Do we have the right perspective and the right focus with what we're doing with our life? So he gives that challenge to Saul. And then you see David gives the, uh, uh, tells Saul to get a right perspective about what he's doing. But then we see David face something here and we see he made a right decision. So here he has this opportunity, him and his men that are with him are in this cave and Saul comes into the uh, uh, cave and it says in verse four, and the men of David said unto him, behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily in verse five. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch forth mine hand against him, saying he is anointed of the Lord. Boy, too bad Saul didn't have that same perspective when he thought about David. So, you know, this may not seem like a big deal, just cutting off a, a piece of, uh, off of a skirt when he could have killed Saul. I mean, he could have done something a lot worse. I mean, all he did was just cut a, 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 a piece of a, a, his skirt off. But what made it such a big deal? Well, what made it such a big deal, you know, you say, you might think about that, maybe something you did this week. You know, uh, well, you know, what was the big deal? I just did this little thing. You know, I could have certainly, I could have done something more, uh, much worse than I did. All I did was this little thing. I didn't commit some big sin. All I did was, well, you know, fill in the blank of maybe something you did recently. But here's the thing. It was not about the degree of the violation, if you will, that, you know, instead of killing David, all he did was cut off a piece of his skirt. It wasn't that, you know, the, the, the degree, if we want to put a level on it, it is this. It's that what he did, what he did in cutting off a piece of that skirt, it was still an act of the flesh. It was still an act of the flesh. And so you think, well, you know, I, I did this uh, little thing this week or I did this little thing recently. It wasn't like it was some big sin. Well, hey, and maybe in your eyes... But in God's eyes, it was still an act that gave in to the flesh. It was still self-will. It was still you choosing to do something you wanted to do at that moment over maybe what God 
would have had you do in that situation. So whether you think it was something big or you think it was something little, hey, I didn't kill a man, I just cut off a part of the skirt there, it was still an act outside the will of God. It was still something that God would have not have had you do had you yielded to him. But fortunately, fortunately, because David's heart was sensitive when convicted, he made the overall right decision. And so let me ask you this, when your heart is convicted or when your heart was convicted, when you turned that way, so to speak, or you, you did that one thing, when you did that little sin this week, did you make the right decision? Did you make the right decision? Fortunately, David overall made the right decision because the decision wasn't even really about Saul, right? Who Saul was. The decision wasn't about who Saul was, but about what he was. You see, it wasn't about the person Saul. It was about the position of Saul. He was the Lord's anointed and God had given him that position. And so we need to think about that in dealing with, with our leaders, right? We may not agree with our leaders or the people that God puts over us, but we still have a responsibility to honor the office that God established. And think of government, because who established government? God established government. So we still have that responsibility to show some honor, even though we may not agree with those in that position at this time. As Christians, of course, that doesn't mean that we, we can't take a, a, a stance against some particular issue or, or, or stand for a particular issue. And then, of course, as Christians, uh, uh, we think about elections, kind of, we, we should vote. We know we have that responsibility. But again, uh, even in dealing these things, we have to deal with them in light of God's word. So David knew he was going to be king. And I'm sure in his flesh at times he got, he got anxious, right? I mean, if we're, if we're waiting for something, you know, I think about things in my own life, you know, uh, I think about something I know is God's will and I'm waiting for God to carry that thing through. And I, and I believe with all my heart, he's gonna, he's gonna do it. So I know that. I'm just like, but, but when, when's he going to do it? Amen. When's he going to fulfill that, that will? And so uh, David realized that, but David had time, but David had faith and he trusted. He didn't have to take this matter into his own hand. He trusted the Lord's will. He trusted the Lord's way and he trusted the Lord's timing. So he knew that he didn't have to take that matter into his own hand. And maybe you have something you've been praying about and you know it's God's will, right? Well, just like we're talking about jobs, you know it's God's will, right? Uh, for a man to work, maybe something else you've been praying about and you feel like it's God's will and you have that confidence. But the thing is, you have the confidence that it's his will, but while you're waiting upon it, the faith right? To faithfully wait upon him and be patient, trust his will, his way, and his timing. You see, David not only trusted the Lord for his eternal life, but of course, he learned to trust God for his daily life. And boy, that's where, that's where it gets harder. Oh yeah, man, I believe God with my eternal life. I'm saved. Hallelujah. I'm heaven bound with a hammer down. Amen. And, and uh, I'm headed over. Boy, we get, we get it. That's, that's easy to say uh, once we get saved. Oh, but what about you trusting for your eternal life, but are you trusting with your day life? Well, <laughs> hey, you're getting awful personal here. 
because that's where the rubber meets the road, right? That's, where, that's uh, what we have to constantly deal with, what we have to constantly uh, battle. We really don't have to battle the eternal life. <laughs> that's sort of settled. It's the daily life we have to battle. And so that's where real faith comes in. And that's why we need faith down here. We won't need faith right there. Faith will give way to sight one day. Thank God for that. But down here, we need that faith to trust him on that daily basis and the way that he chooses to meet our needs, the way that he chooses to carry things out. So David not only trusted the Lord for his eternal life, but his daily life. And so I pray if you're here today, I pray you've trusted the Lord for your eternal life. I pray you, I, you know that you're saved, that you've been born again. Amen. That you're part of the family of God, that you're a child of the king. Amen. I'm glad that you know that. And if you don't know that, well, thank God you can know it before you leave here today. You can trust the Lord, amen, uh, for your eternal life. But again, if you have trust him for your eternal life, how well did you do this week? How well are you doing at this moment, right? Are you anxious about something? Are you nervous about something? How well do you trust in him with the needs of your daily life, right? His, his, his way and his timing. Well, David made the right decision and he withheld his hand from uh, taking Saul's life. And by doing that, he was what? The right example, the right example, you know, loving our enemies. The Bible teaches. We'll look at that. You can turn over to Matthew uh, five. We'll look at that in in a moment. And it says this. We know, listen, we know it's okay to hate their sin. We know it's okay to hate their sin. We know it's okay to hate their actions. And uh, we realize that uh, sometimes their actions impact us, impact our country. But at the end of the day, we still have the responsibility to care for the individual. I'm sure David didn't like what Saul was doing. And what Saul was doing was affecting him on a daily basis, right? Just like the, the sins of those out there, a lot of things that are going on in our country and in, in our government and in different groups are affecting our country, affecting us on a, on a day, daily basis. And we certainly need to pray about those things. But at the end of the day, we still have to care about those individuals. The Bible makes it clear the way we are to treat even our enemies. Matthew 5 Verses 38 through 48, uh, verses 43 through 48, the Lord said this. Ye have heard that it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's easy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Look at that. Pray for them. Now go down your prayer list, go down your prayer list, go down the people you prayed for this week and uh, do how many, uh, well, you know, you got your family on there, got church members on there, maybe got some others on there. Uh, How many of your persecutors, how many of uh, uh, people that have done something uh, uh, against you, right? Are you, are you praying for? It says, and it tells us to pray for them. Verse 45, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the, the unjust. Hey, uh, uh, I think it, it rained yesterday, but I noticed that my yard wasn't the only one that uh, got rain yesterday. I think it rained the, whole, <laughs> rained the whole neighborhood. For if we love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do you more than other? Do not even the publicans so. Be therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, 
is perfect. Hey, when did, when did God start loving you? Did God start loving you the day you got saved? Well, you're my child. Now I can start loving you. Oh, no. He, he loved us even when we were his enemy. He saved us what? We were his enemy when he saved us. Right? Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so God loved you even when you were out there acting like those people. So not only are we to trust God with our pursuits in life. Hey, this thing I'm pursuing, am I being led by God? Do I know that this decision is in the will of God? This thing I've chosen to study at school, this thing I've chosen is a career. Uh, these priorities that I've set for my life, do I know this is within the will of God? Do I know that this is being guided by the precepts and principles of, of God and I'm doing my best to give my life in everything that I do uh, to glorify God? Hey, listen, uh, uh, we, of course we need a uh, pastors, but he said we gave some pastors and right and, and some evangelists. And so, uh, you know, God needs a Christian uh, people in almost uh, uh, every uh, profession. I think of uh, we always a lot of times we talk about uh, Joseph's job because he's always sharing that with us. But I'm thank God that God's given him a good position. And we know we have a, a good, uh, strong Christian testimony uh, uh, in that position. And uh, what you're doing with your life, I'm glad. Uh, David's been a, a great uh, a witness uh, on his job. He shares that uh, uh, with me a lot and how, how God has used him uh, to, to do some things in this last year. And uh, many of you, uh, many of you as well, I'm think, uh, how often Lester shares with me about uh, people that he gets to talk to as he's going throughout his day. We thank God for that testimony. So not only do we need to trust God with our pursuits in life, but also with the people in life that he brings our way, right? Uh, not, not everybody's uh, going to be nice. Not everybody's going to uh, 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 like us, which is you know, it's just so hard to believe. I know that's, that just shocks you sometimes. Like, you know, what's not to love? I know, and I'm sure you feel that way too, right? But hey, not everybody's uh, going to like us. We're not going to get along with everybody, but yet we still have to care for their soul and we still have to try to be the best witness we can and deal with them in life, whether uh, they be good or bad. So here's the question. Do I trust my enemies? No, I don't trust my enemies. But that's not the question. Do I trust my enemies? Right. Did David trust Saul? No, he died. I don't trust my enemies. But that's not the question. Here's the question. Do I trust God with my enemies? Do I trust God with my enemies or do I trust my enemies to God? You see, David didn't trust Saul but he trusts Saul to God or he trusts God with Saul, however you want to look at it, right? He trusted God to deal with that. So where I don't trust my enemies, I don't trust those people out there, but I trust God with my enemies. I trust God with those situations that are out there. That's what we need to ask ourselves. And then, but, and then you see that here, uh, uh, David, took, again, took his knife and cut off part of the skirt. Well, maybe you've not used a knife or a sword uh, to cut away at someone, but maybe you've used words. Boy, I, I wouldn't have taken a knife to somebody. Well, hey, you know, we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words and that, boy, we found out that was a lie, didn't we? We found out that was a lie. Well, maybe you didn't use a knife against somebody this week, but maybe you used words of anger, words of attitude, or maybe mistreated someone, maybe a, maybe a family member, maybe a church member, Maybe a peer, maybe a coworker, or someone else in your life. 
well, you know, okay, so I got a little bit upset. Or, you know, all I said was this. It wasn't like some big, well, you know, hey, all David did was cut a piece of cloth and uh, God thought enough to convict his heart about it because, again, it was an act of the flesh. It was an act of self-will and not something that the Lord wanted him to do. So it's not about what you think of it. What does God think about what you use, what you said or the attitude that you showed or how you mistreated that one this week? So, but thankfully, Dave got convicted and, and Dave did the right thing overall. So verse seven says, and then, of course, his servants were trying to, to get him to make a decision. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not, verse seven, to rise against Saul. And Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. So David stayed his servants. You see, here, God gave David an opportunity to prove whether he would respond by faith or by flesh. Again, to please God or self, to keep it in God's hands or take it into his hands, right? Uh, we read Psalm 7 the other day. We saw that he kept it in God's hands. So David set a great example for those closest to him. Here God gave David an opportunity to, to set a good example for those closest to him. So when you think about the trials maybe you're facing or trials that you've faced recently or when you do face trials, here's the question. In life's trials, do those closest to you, think about them now, in life's trials like David had, in life's temptations like David just had, do those closest to you see you leaning on the arm of the Lord or see you leaning on the arm of the flesh? What response? When they, when they see your response to that situation, do they say, oh man, that's somebody that's leaning on the, the Lord, or that's someone that's leaning on themselves? What are, what are they uh, seeing right there? Leaning on the Lord, but God gave David an opportunity. So how do they see you in those difficult moments? How do they see you in temptation moments, right? Do they see you say, oh, here's an opportunity to show my children. Here's an opportunity to show my grandchildren. Or here's an opportunity uh, to show my coworkers or people that, listen, despite what's just happened, despite this thing I'm facing, I'm going to trust the Lord and I'm going to lean on him. And they look to him and they see an example, like Dave said, an example for those closest to him. You see, we see the contrast between Saul and David. You see, Saul had a get even spirit. And David had a trusting spirit. So what do people see in you, those closest to you, when you're facing that situation, like maybe you're facing right now? Do they see, a, do they see or somebody's harmed you? Do they see a get-even spirit or do they see a trusting spirit? Let me ask you, when you look for a leader, do you want a leader with a trusting spirit or a get-even spirit? Hey, uh, spouse, what kind of spouse? Do you want a spouse with a get-even spirit or a trusting spirit? Hey, young people, when you're looking for that spouse, you better, you better watch how people uh, that you're with, how they react to things. Do you see a get-even spirit or a trusting spirit? Because what seems little, well, you say, oh, well, you know, think about it this way. When you're uh, dating or whatever it is uh, you're doing as you meet together, Right. Uh, you say, well, I mean, he never did. I saw him cut off a part of somebody in the skirt there, but you know what? No, what? No big deal. Well, no, what you saw was him act in the flesh. What you saw was him do something in his will and outside of God's will. You got to pay attention because what's little 
right? When you're dating is what becomes big often in a marriage. Remember, as I said before, when you're dating, you get the best. When you get married, you get the rest, right? So pay attention to the rest, right? Don't just look at the best, right? Don't look, go. That's why the Bible says, go not, go not with a, with a, with a, with a angry man. Pay attention to those things. With a spouse, do you want a trusting spirit or a get even spirit? With friends, do you want a trusting spirit or a get even spirit? Huh? What kind of leader do you want? What kind of spouse do you want? What kind of friend do you want? Well, what kind of person are you? Are you a person with a trusting spirit or a get even spirit? Saul, we see what happened to him because he had a get even spirit. Then we saw how David's life unfolded because he had a trusting spirit. You see, strong character, strong people, strong Christians, strong churches are not easily built. Just like this place, one, one brick at a time, the Christian life and character is built up by one test at a time. Amen. One trusting at a time. So if you're a leader, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if someone is looking to you for an example, right? Right. Here's, here's what you need to think. When you think about raising those children, here's what you need to think. Lord, help me to get everything out of my life that I don't want to see in their life. Think about that as you think about raising children or maybe be an example to, to others. Lord, help me to get out of my life what I don't want to see in their life. Lord, I reacted. Boy, I, I cut that skirt. Lord, please help, help, help it to go no further. Lord, help me even to get that desire out of my heart. Lord, what I don't want to see in their life, Lord, help me to get it out of my life. Think about that as you think about how God gives you opportunity to influence people. So he set the right example. And of course, he went on because, again, he had the right spirit. Look again at verse 8. David also arose afterward, and he went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, notice what David did. David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Proverbs 51 says this, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You see, when you have an opportunity to confront that one, right, in that situation, you have a choice, again, either to act, being controlled by the Spirit of God, or by your flesh. Have you ever said the wrong thing the wrong way? Well, duh, usually if we say the wrong thing, we say it the wrong way. Is there a right, you know, is there a right way to say the wrong thing? Well, I don't know, but I know this. There's a wrong way to say the right thing. <laughs> There's a wrong way to say the right thing. So maybe you say, well, you know, yeah, we all said the, the wrong thing the wrong way. But I ask you this again. Have you ever said the right thing the wrong way? Hey, maybe what you said to that person was true. Maybe they need to hear it. But you know what? They didn't need to hear it that way. They didn't need to hear it that way. See, well, if you've ever said the right thing the wrong way. You see, not only were his words right, but his spirit was right. You see, Saul reacted wrong. Why? Because he listens to man's words. And I notice when people get their eyes on other people, they start reacting the wrong way. And you know what? They start talking about those things. But David reacted the right way because he listens to God's words. Lord, when those people are throwing words out me, help me not to think about their words, but help me to think about your words and how I need to respond to what they're saying and how I need to respond to what they're doing. See, and we see here, look at verses 12 and 13. We finish up here. And the Lord judged, David says this, the Lord judged between me and thee. And the Lord avenged me of thee. 
but my hand shall not be upon thee. So I'm going to let the Lord take care of this. And as saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon thee. And because David lowered himself at the right time, the Lord later lifted him up at the right time. <laughs> he trusted the Lord's timing. And so because he, he responded and lowered himself at the right time, the Lord lifted him up at the right time. Luke 18, 14 says, For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. Well, that's what happened to Saul. Remember that time David, uh, the Lord said to Saul, hey, remember when you were little in your own eyes? Huh? And he got on to him. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, but he that humble himself shall be exalted. And we saw what? The Lord humbled himself in Philippians 2. And so what? God exalted him. Right? But not only does that work with our Lord, that, that principle works in his people too. David was willing to lower himself and humble himself at the right times, so God later exalted himself at the right time. So Saul pursued David for the wrong reason. Saul pursued David for the wrong reason. Hey, he said, what are you wasting your time on this for? Listen, are you pursuing? Hey, what you're pursuing in life, is it worth pursuing? Did you know God is pursuing? God's in the pursuing business? That's right. If you're lost this morning... God is pursuing you. Amen. Uh, Jesus said, he came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. He came to pursue that which was lost. So if you're here this morning and, uh, or you're listening in, you're not saved. Hey, I want to say God is pursuing you and he's pursuing you for the right reason. Amen. He wants to save your soul and keep you out of hell and bring you into his family. Right. He's pursuing you for the right reason, salvation. So think about this as we, we finish up. We're all headed somewhere. We're all headed somewhere. We're not going to dwell here permanently. A lot of times people ask me, oh, what are you up to? Right? I was, I, I was in public the other day. I was checking out, and they said, oh, wh what are you up to? I said, well, I'm just trying to get something done before I blow this popcorn stand. Amen. Right? Just trying to get something done before I blow this popcorn stand. We know we're not going to be here permanently. We're just on a journey, right? We're just a passing through. Soon we will step out into eternity. And when you do, when you do, I hope you can finish up your life and say, hey, I spent my life not pursuing a flea, amen, not pursuing something that really didn't matter at the end of the day, but I've spent my life, amen, doing the will of God. I've spent my life glorifying uh, my heavenly Father and my blessed Savior. So as we think about this, consider what you are pursuing in life and follow after things that will matter in the end. Learn to leave matters in the hands of God and trust the arm of faith, not the arm of the flesh. Show those around you. Boy, as you look at those kids, as you look at those grandkids, or maybe even your coworkers, or maybe people in the neighborhood, show those around you that you will exercise real faith, right? You will exercise real faith when tested and be an example even in the most difficult moments. And then live with a trusting, humble spirit. Say, Lord, help me to have a trusting spirit, not a get-even spirit. Things are going to happen. We know that. Up to this point, we've seen things happen. And as long as we're in this world, things are going to happen. But Lord, help me to have a trusting spirit, not a get-even spirit. So as we see David did in here, keep the right perspective in life. Keep the, make the right decisions in life. Set the right example in life and have the right spirit in life. And so David sets, again, sets a good example of us here. Hey, what are you pursuing? Saul, you're the king. Is, it is this really worth wasting your time on? Hey, you're a child of the king. 
what you're pursuing in life? Is it really, at the end of the day, going to matter? Or will you say, oh, yes, it matters. Because on a daily basis, I trust him for my eternal life. I trust him with my daily life. By his grace, every day I try to get up, amen, and walk out that door to be a witness for him, to glorify him, be sensitive, amen, to his moving spirit and his word in my heart and do what I can, amen, uh, to, to, to glorify him, to build his local church and reach others for him. Let's pray.